0: Hey guys, it's Jeremy. And Kevin. Just real quick before we begin, I wanted to start with a trigger warning. Personally, I'm not a big fan of trigger warnings, but we're going to be covering a lot of different content on this podcast, from stuff that's totally kid-friendly up to berserk and probably things that are worse than that. And you never know when people are going to have the typical American thing of nudity and sexual stuff is going to bother them versus people who have problems with more violent content. So I just wanted to be upfront. We were starting with Akira Toriyama's Dragon Ball, and I'm like, surely that won't need a trigger warning. I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it was going to be bad, but I'd forgotten how bad. Yeah. Dragon Ball has a lot of weird consent problems. Yes. And we'll talk about it more in detail in the podcast, but just, like, there's straight up some characters getting roofied in this. Yep. There's a lot of just problematic i don't want to even say sexual politics because that makes it sound way more advanced than it actually is
1: there's a lot of stuff that people would probably deem inappropriate in it in today's standards yeah not
0: even just inappropriate for kids but yeah inappropriate inappropriate
1: yeah like adults shouldn't be talking about this in public even if there aren't kids around
0: yeah that and promised neverland is pretty violent yeah, Promise
1: Neverland is pretty
0: violent. Uh, it probably would be fine on American TV. You just take off some of the blood. But if that's a problem for you, we got that too. So, with that, let's get in with the episode. All right. Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly. I'm your host, Jeremy.
1: And I'm your host, Kevin.
0: This is the podcast where we talk about Shonen Jump. This week, the issue that came out on October 1st, 2018. And something else, and that's something else this week, is Akira Toriyama's Classic Dragon Ball, Volume 1. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing good. Good. We were supposed to be playing D&D right now, but uh, that got canceled so we can record a podcast.
1: Well, that's kind of nice because... Otherwise, this would have been really tight recording.
0: Yes, it would have. I could have gotten done with Shonen Jump a little faster, but uh, that's a discussion for another time. So shall we get right into it? The first story in here and the cover story is Black Clover, page 175, because they can't call it chapter. They have to get fancy with it. Yeah. I actually kind of like that. Page is just confusing when you're talking about something that's already written in a book format.
1: It might just be a weird translation thing from Japanese to English. I know no, that. I assume
0: because it's spell books that it probably is supposed to be page. Yeah. That sounds right. But anyway, it's page one hundred seventy five, Silva's Battle. We're not gonna do this every week, but since this is the first episode, I think we should talk a little bit about our history with each series. The premise, if you didn't listen to our zero episode, is that Kevin has been reading Shonen Jump for two years now. Roughly, yeah. And this is my first issue since monthly Shonen Jump number one. So lots of this stuff is pretty new to me. I did watch the first couple episodes of the Black Clover anime. I actually really liked the first episode, other than it being super, super Naruto. But the pacing after that just murdered it for me. And after I discovered My Hero Academia, because I was late to that party, I kind of had my Naruto successor and didn't need another one.
1: Yeah, the main problem with that Black Clover anime is the pacing, Because the manga's great. Like, I've been excited to read it. It wasn't just, oh, it's something in Shonen Jump. I'll read through it. It's like, ah, yeah, the next chapter of Black Clover's out. And I was excited about the anime. And I think I made it to episode three and was like, I can't do this. That's also how far I made it.
0: I really liked episode one. Episode two was the longest slog in my life, as far as I remember.
1: And I watched episode three, like, a month later. And was like, no, I can't go through with this. The pacing was just so bad. Like, I think... Isn't episode two the one where next to nothing happens? Yes. It's like a flashback and then another flashback. Yeah. After it leaves on like this real cool cliffhanger
0: before a battle, they barely get that battle result by the end of the episode. And it's like a one swing battle.
1: Yeah. It's pretty insane. It's like, all right, cool. We're going to start this fight, but flashback beforehand. And then for the next episode, they still haven't started the fight because it's been all flashback.
0: Yeah, it's not very good. So the premise of Black Clover, and I'm going to need Kevin to help me with this because I don't know any proper nouns from this series. The main character is Arta, is that correct? Asta. Asta. The main character is Asta, and his goal is to become Wizard King. It's basically Hokage, if you're
1: familiar with Naruto, but it's more fun to say Wizard King.
0: Yes. Because everyone in this world is a wizard, except for Asta. He doesn't have any magic.
1: Yeah, he has literally no magic, which is actually kind of funny. Everyone always mentions it's impossible for you to become Wizard King. He's basically a
0: Rock Lee character where he trained real, real hard, so he's real strong. So he's basically the only fighter in a world of wizards. And he has an anti-magic sword, and that's
1: kind of all I know? Yeah. For the basic premise, that's about it. He does have a Sasuke rival. He looks exactly like Sasuke, too, but I can't remember his name. I think it's Yuno. That sounds right. He has wind
0: magic. You real good at it?
1: Yes, It's a really interesting premise because I feel that with Naruto, he always had a bunch of, like, hidden potential. So it was like, you know, oh, his chakra's off the charts. And, like, one of the first things he learns how to do is summon 10,000 shadow clones, which is excessive. And they're like, only Naruto could do that. Versus Asta is literally like, what magic can he do? None. But he has an anti-magic sword in a world full of wizards. Yeah, which is cool, but... He's rock in a whirl of paper,
0: which is definitely different from Naruto.
1: Yeah, and the the anti-magic sword definitely helps, because people are like, we sling spells at one another, and then he smacks him in the face with the sword, and they're like, I've never been hit with a sword. Now, of course, the very kid-friendly thing about this, his sword, it only cuts through magic, not people, so it acts as a blunt object when he's hitting people with it, which is good, because otherwise, with how hard he swings that thing, he would be murdering people all the time.
0: So, forget everything we just told you, because none of those characters show up in this chapter. is there, I think. I don't remember seeing him, and I know what he looks like. He might
1: not have been. I remember looking for him and like, ah, this is a chapter with all the side characters I was never introduced to. Let me check real fast. Nope, you're totally correct. He's not in this. So the capital is being attacked in this chapter. We're in the middle of the capital being attacked. By a group called the Eye of the
0: Midnight Sun, which is a rad name for your terrorist group if you're going to start
1: one. Yeah, well, sort of by the Eye of the Midnight Sun. I only know what I read in the previously on Black Clover that I read. So one of the big thing that's going on right now is the elves have resurfaced. It's thought that they were killed off or they died out during the demon war. Um, I'm going to stop you, Kevin, just because I said specifically, I only want you to tell
0: me stuff about backstory in these manga if I ask you questions. Okay. Sorry about that. No worries. (laughs) Just cutting you off here. I did read there were elves or something and the capitals being attacked. So here's what I gathered from this issue trying to puzzle out. It's pretty much all a fight scene, right? Yeah. It's a pretty decent fight scene. I kind of had to read through it a second time to really track what was going on, but there are some really cool panels in it. There's one of a guy like manifesting some shields. There's a water dragging that gets deflected. Yeah. So correct anything I say that's wrong, but here's what I thought was going on. So there's a brother and a sister who are part of the royal family, question mark?
1: Yeah, they're like nobility Okay, so So they're nobles. Yeah, they're nobles. They're called royals in this Yeah, because they're like descendant from the kings, but they're high nobility. One is a girl and she trained real hard. Yes. The other is a guy who I'm guessing is a
0: genius prodigy, but that is only a guess. Yeah. And they're trying to protect some other royal from uh, someone who's attacking them. Yep. See, this is a really bad chapter, I think, to start off this issue of Shonen Jump, because if you're a new reader... Like, there's nothing for you to grab onto. There is a previously on Black Clover, and it shows you a bunch of the characters, but none of those characters appear in this issue except for Captain Yammy, who is only there very briefly.
1: Yeah, it is a bad chapter because it's a lot of the side characters. It's not just the middle of a story arc. It's like the middle of a character progression in that story arc. So there's a lot of stuff that isn't explained, obviously, because they kind of expect you to have caught up. Yeah, and coming from Western comics, this is a thing I actually really like about manga,
0: is its ability to just tell ongoing stories and start in the middle. Whereas American comics are much more concerned with catching you up. Stan Lee had a saying that you had to write every comic book like it was somebody's first, because it probably was. Yeah. And I don't begrudge this chapter necessarily for that, But it left me completely lost, and it feels like a bizarre one to start the volume of Shonen Jump with, because if you're a kid who's buying Shonen Jump for the first time, I feel like you'll just be lost. And maybe some of the artwork will be so cool you get on, but I found that even confusing. Like I said, I had to go through it a second time to really understand what was going on.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that this is kind of near a climax of an arc. So there's a lot of stuff that's just been explained beforehand. There's bad guys, there's good guys, there's magic and fighting, but it's honestly kind of hard to tell if you don't know who the bad guys are.
0: Yeah, it's real hard to tell who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, just because of the artist's style and the fact that two of the characters are siblings. They all look kind of alike. Once I figure out, oh, they're supposed to be brother and sister, which is kind of said at the end, that was kind of the key for me going back through it the second time and yeah. more getting what was going on. But I don't understand any of the emotional importance of this fight. So it's just kind of a fight. And I've seen a lot better anime fights.
1: Yeah. Also, there is another brother from the same family that the two of them are going to rescue. Is he the one who's like on the ground in the yeah. middle there? Okay. Yeah. Like they, they show up. The guy shields him. That's another one of his younger brothers. All right. Anything else to say about Black Clover? If you don't want me giving spoilers away, I like Black Clover because of a lot of the characters are pretty interesting. The dichotomy of the royals versus non-royals. I mean, it's been done to death, but it's very interesting to have this in, uh, you know, oh, peasants aren't good at magic. Only royals are good at magic. And then they're constantly... Like they even mention it. It's like, oh no, I'm being saved by a peasant and a failure or something like that. It's just pretty cool to show the, you're not always necessarily born into it. I'm hoping that I will start to like Black Clover
0: as I read more and more of it and get more of a sense for the characters and such, because it's not going away. Yeah,
1: no, it's definitely very popular. Some of the magic sequences are beautifully
0: well done. The panel you talked about with him shielding the guy, that was a really cool panel, but I'm like, I don't know who any of these characters are, and if this is a bad guy like, doing this or a good
1: guy, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel here. It's honestly confusing, even if you do know who everybody is. It's because of the elf thing that maybe will get explained later, but might not. All right, so that brings us on to the second story in this week's Shonen Jump, The Promised
0: Neverland, Chapter 105, Illusion. So Promised Neverland is a manga I had heard a little bit about. It's probably the one I was most excited to read that I didn't already read, just because I've been hearing really good things about it. People seem to think it's going to be the next one that really takes off. It's getting its anime abduct- yeah. It's getting its anime adaptation very soon, from what I understand.
1: I hadn't heard about the anime adaptation, but I'm not super hooked into anime news in general. Like, I had no idea that one of my favorite animes' second season had started, Thunderbolt Fantasy, which is the anime involving puppets, like literal puppets.
0: Yeah, so I was pretty excited to read about it, even though I only kind of knew the basic premise, which isn't even relevant to the story as it's going on now, which is there are a bunch of kids in a weird orphanage. Basically, is what I knew. And yeah, that,
1: they're super geniuses.
0: Yes, and that the caretaker's kind of weird and very clearly something beyond that was going on, which is already sprung at this point in the manga. It turns out they were being
1: farmed to be food for demons, I guess. Yeah, the demons eat brains. So that's why they've been trying to raise super intelligent kids, because apparently smarter kids taste better.
0: Okay, so they're veal for demons.
1: Yes, That's pretty cool. This is a
0: little bit better of a jumping on point than Black Clover, although it's still pretty clearly in media res, or at least it feels
1: that way. Yeah, probably the issue just before this would have been a much better jumping on point. See, but I can still feel that. It still feels like this story is just getting started and like
0: I've missed a little bit, but it was still pretty easy to understand what was going on. I also quite like the character designs for this, specifically the character Emma, who I think is the main character or definitely one of them.
1: Yeah, it's Emma and Ray are both kind of the main characters they were the top children at the orphanage so they've become the de facto leaders so they have some sort of base according to the kind of previously on it was given to them by some friendly demon benefactors yeah the previously on actually did a pretty good job of kind of giving a very short like for a paragraph summary that was actually really good job of "Uh, this is where we are in the story yeah the only thing i was confused on are why are they trying to escape their base now
0: and how long have they been here like, it seemed like this might have been right after, like, a short time skip. Like, everything was cool for them for a little while, but I couldn't tell if that was actually the case or...
1: Yeah, it was kind of a time skip. Like I said, literally, the then it happened in the issue just before this one would have been a much better time to pick back up on it. But short little time skip where they've been kind of surviving in this shelter. Yeah, this
0: is probably my favorite art of any of the issues. Nah, actually not. There's one that I like a little bit more. But I find the art in this really, really good. It relies a lot on some visual contrast of like kids carrying machine guns and these very like happy looking anime kids juxtaposed against violent scenes, but it's done very well.
1: Yeah. The demons in this are even more hyper realistic than the bad guys are, which I like that juxtaposition of.
0: Like, the good guys look like
1: Digimon protagonists who
0: are super anime, and the bad guys look like photorealistic humans. Not that photorealistic, but... Yep, uh,
1: they're much more realistic, and so it's to give you a dissonance of you relate more to the kids, because you can easily put yourself into their shoes, because they don't have a ton of distinguishing features, so they're much more easy to put yourself into, versus the bad guys have a ton of distinguishing features which really marks them as the bad guys. So all the demons in this series look like people? Um, no.
0: Okay. Because like Andrew, which I love as a name for a villain, shows up and I'm like, is this a guy or a demon? I'm not sure. He is human. Okay. Gotcha. But he just works for the demons?
1: Yeah. So he's part of the group that, just like on the previous line, that said the world had been divided in between the human world and the demon world. He's part of like the human delegation that keeps that separation going.
0: Okay. I gotcha. So he's a villain because he's trying to keep the order established, but he's not himself a demon. Yes. I gotcha. There's some real, like I said, at the top violence in this. There's this really cool panel of some people like falling down a ladder after they've been shot in the head. That looks very, very good. Yes. So basically the kids are just trying to get out of their base, but it's been surrounded. All the entrances have people on it and it leaves on the cliffhanger of Ray having to try to figure out how they're going to get by this. Yep. I actually really liked this. It was a decent jumping on point, but it also just felt like a good part of the story to be at. Andrew the villain does a lot of that generic bad guy, ah, ha, ha, this situation is hopeless and you must lose, which I've definitely seen before, yeah. but it's always a good part of the story to be in because typically... Especially when we get to Dragon Ball. My favorite bits of all of Dragon Ball are those despair moments where it seems like the heroes have no way out. So it's cool when you're on those moments, even if this one is a little uh, overspoken, maybe. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Promised Neverland, Kevin?
1: Just like you said, this is definitely another one of my favorites out of the Shonen Jump series. It's got a more of a mystery bent than a lot of the other Jump titles, which I really do enjoy.
0: All right, so next is One Piece, the one I know, the one I'm caught up on. Chapter 919, Jesus Christ One Piece is Long, The Ruins of Odin Castle. Yep. It's One Piece. I almost have trouble talking about it. This storyline that One Piece is in right now is pretty cool to me. We're at the very beginning of it still. It's like 10 chapters in, but it's still establishing this new country that they're on to have this adventure, which is the Wano Kingdom, which is essentially one-piece isolationist Japan. Almost down to a T. Also, all the bad guys are half-man, half-beast people, because they have the devil fruit that was manufactured by Don Quixote from a few arcs ago. Yep. So it's all been very cool, and this issue, we find out the whole cast is finally going to get reunited for the first time in years, it looks like. Actually, has it been years? I mean, the whole Big Mom arc, they were separated. They were kind of together in the Zo arc, but Sanji was gone.
1: It's been months, but I don't know that it's been years that like, they've been apart. Because they got... Big Mom who lasted over a year, didn't it? I don't think so. My sense of time with that is definitely kind of skewed, because there might have been we split up in the Don Quixote arc, and then Big Mom took longer than I thought. So, like, it's
0: 50 chapters a year about, right?
1: Oh, see, I see your confusion now. You thought was it thinking, was an in-story? I was oh. thinking in-story timeline, and you were talking about... Uh, yes, I was talking about real life. That's probably been about a year.
0: It's probably been a year since we've even seen Zoro, which is why it was so cool to see him show up a couple chapters ago.
1: Yeah, because he was one of the first people to go to the Wano Kingdom. Surprise, surprise, the guy wielding samurai swords wants to go hang out in Japan. This
0: is a pretty good chapter. You get to see them brainwashing the youth in school about how great it is to be isolationist and how it sucks otherwise.
1: Yep, and how the good guys that we know are actually the bad guys because they didn't want an isolationist Wano.
0: And it ends on a really cool reveal about the samurai characters that, again, have been around for years that we haven't heard this about, which is both a good reveal and a good cliffhanger because it makes you want to find out the details about what's going on. Definitely. Not much to say because One Piece is... One of my favorite manga, so I know it very well, but I've enjoyed the chapter. I didn't enjoy it as much as The Promised Neverland or some of the other new stuff in here, but it was very much for my benchmark. For everything I put above One Piece, I really liked.
1: Yeah, I really liked this One Piece chapter as opposed to a couple of the ones previous. I always like One Piece. I have read very few Shonen Jump manga that I haven't liked, but One Piece is usually in like my top five of the chapters for the week. But I really like this one with that big reveal at the end. It was just so cool.
0: And it's just exciting to see the whole cast together again.
1: Yeah. Even though Frankie and Robin
0: haven't showed up in Usopp, but we at least know they're around, so yeah. they could show up at any time. So next is My Hero Academia. I didn't read it because I don't want spoilers because I'm watching the anime. Yep, and we are almost two arcs ahead of the anime at this point. And the anime just had its season finale on Saturday. Yes. So I've got to wait. So what I'm going to say is... For now, the plan is I'm not going to read My Hero Academia. Kevin, if you have anything very broadly you want to say about it, go ahead. Good chapter, bad chapter?
1: Good chapter. They're doing a contest right now. That's really cool. And that's all I'll say.
0: If you want us to read My Hero Academia and talk about it, leave a comment on our website, lastpodcast.com, because especially with the anime not coming out every week, there might be a My Hero Academia-sized hole in my heart that I could feel by reading the manga. But for the time being, unless we have people saying... They want us to read it. We are going to be skipping it. Or yeah. I am. Kevin's still going to be reading it because he was already.
1: Yep. Like I said in the Zero With episode, My Hero Academia is the reason I got into Shonen Jump Winkly because the first season ended and I was like, I need more My Hero Academia. So I jumped on that bandwagon and haven't got off since.
0: All right. So after that is Dr. Stone, which is another one I've heard about. Instead of chapters, it has a Z equals 76. Which, again, I find kind of cute, but is difficult to deal with when I have to say it out loud. The final battle. I've heard a little bit about Dr. Stone, enough to know the premise, which is basically that there was an apocalypse where a bunch of people turned to stone. And so it's a post-apocalyptic world. And the main character is a scientist who's trying to use his knowledge to embetter people. better. That's not a word, but I'm going with it. Whereas the main rival is a, like, might-makes-right absolutist who just wants to gather strong people and dominate the weak.
1: Again, I don't know how much to say without trying to spoil it, so So we'll stop there. Okay. I've heard very good things about Dr. Stone, and I
0: did like it, but the art is a little tricky in this one. Even more so than Black Clover, I found it very difficult to tell what was going on. I feel like the storytelling in the art is kind of weak. That said, individual panels all have a lot of energy to them. Yeah. And I wonder how much of it is me just opening here, because there's a bit where there's like a woman thrown into the main character, and I'm like, am I supposed to know who this is? Or... Yes. So it just lost some of the power, and it was a little confusing to read, but a lot of the individual panels taken on their own look very good.
1: Yeah, this manga does the thing where they will go more realistic in a lot of their stuff and then cut to the almost chibi, cartoony thing for a lot of other things so it's just kind of a stylistic choice which i enjoy because it it brings that lighthearted element of like this is a joke or this is supposed to not be taken totally seriously and there wasn't much of that in this chat but no it does happen in some of the other ones this one also seems like it's at almost the end of an arc or at least starting like a big fight
0: so i mean the title is the final battle so
1: yeah it's at the end of an arc I also really did
0: like the first panel, which is just some people holding up a pot and said, we found the miracle fluid. And there's no, it's like, it's nitric acid. So they can make gunpowder. Yep, seems like a manga my other podcasting partner, Tyler, would really, really enjoy. Was yeah. what I was thinking the entire time I was reading
1: it. There's a ton of science in this. They really focus on, at least for Shonen Jump, they put in the author's notes. And I don't know, this probably happened in the Japanese one as well, but they explain a lot of the science better, which is just really interesting because they're almost educational, except you probably don't want your kids learning how to make gunpowder and <laughs> other various things.
0: I am excited to read more of it, but this particular chapter left me kind of cold.
1: Yeah, it's almost like after the climax. They found the Miracle Fluid, and the battle had been to get the Miracle Fluid, so that's kind of a very poor spot to pick up.
0: But then it starts with then the like main bad guy shows up, and it's like, now I'm going to ruin your day. It's similar to what I was talking about with Promised Neverland where it's like this the spare spot but it just didn't leave me with the same emotions that that Promised Neverland chapter did. Yeah. So next we have We Never Learn question 81. A genius secretly responds with X to their conjectures? Gotta love those Japanese titles.
1: Yeah, this is definitely a light novel title or at least what I think of a lot of the more recent light novels just start going insane with their titles.
0: This is the only story in this week's volume of Shonen Jump that I had never heard of, and I
1: kind of loved it. I really like We Never Learn. Uh, It's definitely very cutesy and romantic, but it's got a really cool premise.
0: My first note is this premise is bonkers. So I only know the premise from the previously on page, so let me see if I get it right. To get a scholarship, Yu-Gi-Oh has to make a bunch of super students pass in subjects they aren't good at. Yeah. So there's like a super athlete who wants to be a math major. Am I right on that? No, she wants to learn English. Oh, okay. Wants to learn English. There's a super anime smart math student who wants to be a humanities major. Yep. And there's a third character who did not show up in this chapter. So I don't remember her deal. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, yeah. Because it was she in the is previously.
1: she's the crazy good at literature chick. Who wants to get better at math. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it started off with the crazy math chick and the crazy good at literature chick being like, these are the geniuses in their fields, and they want to almost study each other's fields. Mm -hmm. The main character to Ogata in this chapter, she's so crazy good at math that she's not interested in it. You know, it's like, well, I don't have to work at all. I'm just... I'm more interested in this humanities thing. I don't understand it, so that's what I want to study in college. Why would I want to study math? I already know math.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not going to do this for any other thing, but let me just read my notes aloud for this. Wait, they're all girls? Is this a Skull manga? Wait, each of these people ship Math Nerd with each other? Question mark. This is all all in a question mark, by the way. Yeah. Uh, This is the most anime ever math teacher, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yes. So wait, is it not a harem anime? Is it a weird love triangle where everybody thinks their crush likes the other person more? And then also, I'm going to put this on our list of stuff to read right
1: now, because I want to read more. So it's not quite a harem anime. It's more like a love polyhedron. There's like this weird intersecting things where this girl's liked by this other girl who she kind of likes this guy, but he likes somebody else. And then so it's this just super confusing complicated relationship, mostly centered around, I think it's Yugiha, if I'm pronouncing that right. The main character? Yeah, the main character. It's mostly centered on him. Well, of course. Yeah, but a lot of it is that classic trope of like, he's just nice, and so they're forced to spend time with him because he's tutoring them in these various subjects, and they start to realize he works really hard to help us out, he's a really nice guy, and so they start falling for him, and just more and more people keep finding this out about him. Gotcha. So basically, it's a hair among. Basically, yeah, but there are some, there's like the second girl that was with Ogata. She thinks that Ogata likes Yugiha, and Yugiha thinks she likes Ogata. So that's why they were trying to yes. ditch one another. Yes. All the time was like, she's trying to make the first move. I can't be here.
0: So that's the premise of this chapter is that Yugiha convinces, is, I wrote down her name, Riza, to go to like an open campus day at the school she wants to go to. And they also bring around the other character who's, so- you need to help me with the nouns, Kevin. I don't know them.
1: Well, so is the the super smart math chick. So he okay. convinces her to go to the open. I think Riza's. I'm pretty sure that's the the other girl. Okay. That okay. ends up like, she also is like, Hey Ogata, there's this uh, open, you know, open university day or open campus day at the university. We should go together. And they both realize they asked that at almost the exact same time. Ogata's like, "Why don't the three of us go together?" And it leads to this very awkward situation where Yugiha and Riza are trying to leave Ogata with the other person alone, and they basically keep trying to spy on the other
0: two from the bushes and always end up in the bushes together like, "Wait, why are you here?"
1: Yeah. That was definitely one of my favorite moments of, oh, I was having stomach pains, and so they're spying in the bushes waiting for the other person to show up, and Ogata's sitting on the bench like, oh, I can't believe they're both sick, and they both pop up behind her and was like, what do you mean she's sick? It was great.
0: So there's a lecture by the most anime math teacher ever who's talking about the inspiration of math and how it's really about your heart, Yeah, which is pretty good, so then- Ogata gets depressed that her friends are being weird and gets invited to a barbecue where she gets drunk on the alcohol fumes in the air. Apparently. And they have to carry her back, and the ending
1: of the chapter is kind of weak,
0: but I really enjoyed it. It was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah,
1: that was the exact same way I felt about when reading it, because it was one of those ones. It hasn't been going on very long, so it showed up while I was still reading Shonen Jump. I was like, oh, well, I'll give this a try, and found that I actually did really like it. Is this one weekly or is this more sporadic? This is weekly. Pretty much everything in this is their weekly titles. They're more sporadic ones. They have Seraph at the end is like once a month. Blue Exorcist is like once a month, right? Yeah. What about Yu-Gi-Oh Arc Five? Was that just on skip week this week? I think that's also once a month. Gotcha. One Punch Man is whenever they like it's not It's whenever they have some one munch some one munch man? Some one punch man to yeah. put in there. Because I really like that manga, I follow the One Punch Man Reddit, so I get the chapters as soon as they come out over in Japan, and then they get like, re-serialized in the weekly Shonen Jump, because Shonen Jump will be five chapters behind the actual releases for One Punch Man, so I'm guessing it's serialized under a different brand, and then it's so popular Shonen Jump also gets to pick it up just later.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So next we have I'm From Japan, a series I only know because Kevin was telling me a little bit about it a week ago.
1: Yeah, well, this is one of the Jumpstart titles. So Jumpstart is Weekly Shonen Jump's thing of, we're testing these manga to see if you'd think that getting them weekly serialized would be good or not. So they give you, it's generally three chapters of a manga. There are two in
0: this issue, and both of them were on chapter three and said that was the end of their...
1: Yeah, the jumpstart things, they tend to start both of them, like we have two jumpstarts, and they both start at the same time, so they both end at the same time, gotcha. usually. So the ones for this rotation of Jumpstart have not been my favorite. They've probably been my least favorite of the Jumpstart titles.
0: Yeah. I have very, very few notes on this particular one, but one of them is, I hope this does not get picked up to go on. I really don't like it. The premise is basically there's this guy who's really nationalistically proud of Japan. Yep. And he keeps meeting people who are super proud of their own home cities and helping them
1: No, he meets them when they've been bullied by the same dude. The bad guy Matsuo has been the same bad guy for all three chapters. And he's been picking on them because he's a big city guy and they're country yokels. And so they're super depressed about where they live. And that's when Japan finds them and is like, what are you talking about? Where you live is great. And the main character's name is Japan, if we didn't say that. Yes. Which Uh, is... Also weird. It's super weird. He also, this only shows up in chapter one, he has a scar in the shape of Japan on his chest.
0: <laughs> That's actually kind of great.
1: The first chapter kind of had me, this could be kind of interesting. I did not pick it up from there.
0: Yeah, so this one, the villain who's, what's his name? I think it's Matsuro. Has defeated this guy at a bike race, a motorcycle race specifically. Yes, I would have taken more notes and written these guys' names down, but I just did not care about this story at all. I don't either. But anyway, this guy's from a place that has a lot of manufacturing plants, so they make motorcycles and plastic models and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's where, like, Honda and, um, I'm blanking on some of the other name, but it's, like, it's where a bunch of the Japanese manufacturers, like, their plants are, is from this area. So the bully destroys his motorcycle as his prize for winning? Yep. So Japan makes
0: the guy a new motorcycle that runs on his good feelings towards his hometown.
1: Yeah, the chapters have steadily been getting weirder.
0: So he gets on it, and then he's squeezing tangerines in his eye because his hometown is famous for tangerines. This also is weirdly commercial, given the premise. Yes. Like, all these commercial products from there show up. But anyway, he squeezes tangerines in his eyes and then can't drive the bike, so Japan has to get on it. And he transforms into some folk hero from the town that, again, I would have written down who it was if I cared more, and defeats the bully.
1: Yep. Also, when Japan gets on the bike, so when he makes the bike, it looks stupid. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. When Japan gets on the bike, it turns into, like, a crotch rocket, like, super detailed, and he just blazes past him because he's so in love with all of Japan. I'm just imagining the American equivalent of this and how cringy it would be. Yeah, that's why I don't think this will go over well. Well, I wonder how the reaction is in
0: Japan, though, because like America, they really like things about themselves.
1: Yeah, but there's a difference between like we like things about ourselves and okay, seriously, you can stop being only about yourself. So I did not care for this one at all. Yeah, and unfortunately, I didn't either. I haven't seen any of the jump starts come back. I don't know that they come back into weekly Shonen Jump. Is it more of an audition for the artist thing? I think that's what it might be. Like, hey, you might get serialized through a different company by, oh, we're going to put some preview chapters in Shonen Jump. Because there's definitely some that if I had more time, I would probably be reading their serializations because there's been some really cool ones out of this Jumpstart program.
0: All right. So next up, we have something that's not from the Jumpstart program, Food Wars which is something I'm pretty familiar with. I keep meaning to just watch the anime because I've wanted to for a while. I really like the premise. It's basically a shounen battle anime, but instead of fighting, it's about culinary
1: works and preparing food. Yeah, it's a battle anime with cooking instead of martial arts.
0: Which is a pretty cool premise, and uh, judging by this one issue, is rad as hell. It's amazing. I keep talking about how there's one chapter in this that I think has better art than everything, and it's this. It does that chibi thing, And super deformity, but it does it super well. Every panel looks really, really good. And there's no, like, big battle sequences in this chapter or anything. No, but
1: but when they do the big battle sequences, the food looks amazing.
0: But even though, like, there's nothing especially visually interesting going on in this, all of the art is incredible. There's a scene where this one character gets upset. and The background is a volcano around her and it just looks really really good. Yeah. It also seems like it's a decent jump on point because it feels like it's right after a arc just finished.
1: We're just in the start of a new arc, so it's a couple of chapters into the new arc, but because the beginning of the arc started with a mystery, you're having the mystery kind of sort of explained to you, so this is a very good time to just suddenly jump in and start reading. Because it's like, hey, we're giving you some tips about what happened in the last couple of chapters, and now you're kind of caught up in how things are going. I suppose in hindsight, there was a lot of exposition, but because I'm jumping on, that was very helpful. And that's because it had been a mystery up until then, so him doing all this exposition is kind of like, all right, just to make sure that you were paying attention, here's all the things that were happening.
0: Basically, this is setting up, there's some big contest coming up. It's called the All Blue or the Blue?
1: I think it's just the Blue.
0: Which is a big cooking contest for people under 35. And this villainous character has challenged the new dean of the school, who seems like she's been a main character for a while. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, she's definitely one of the main characters from the very start. So he's challenged her
0: to a cooking battle at this contest, and if he wins, she has to agree to be his bride?
1: Yeah, he's really creepy.
0: Yes, but again, it's like, I want to see this guy lose and get beat up, so yep. it works for me at least. He is a little creepy. It's not as creepy as uh, anything in Dragon Ball, though. So no. he wins points for that. And also, he talks about how he's part of some underworld gang of cooks, and I didn't really get everything that was going on. Again, they're explaining stuff from before, but
1: even then, this is the most explanation they've given about the. They're like the chefs noir or something yeah. like that, and they're underground cutthroat chefs. Yes, that's what I wanted to get to. And this is the first time
0: they're going to be invited to this contest because otherwise, like, it's not a very good indicator of who's a good cook. But it led to my favorite line in the entirety of this, which is, it will be a free-for-all between the culinary world and the underworld.
1: Yeah, well, it's also very clear that uh, the dude manipulated the contest to allow these underworld chefs into it somehow. They haven't shown how yet, but it's very obvious to me that it's like, There's no way that the guy would be like, oh yeah, we should let the criminal chefs compete in this competition. That makes total sense. I don't know what a criminal chef is. Does he just make food for the Joker? I mean, I want to know. Yes. Like, (laughs) they mention that. They're like, you know, when like mafia dons meet and all that kind of stuff, they're the chefs that they hire because Uh, you can't hire some regular chef to cater a meeting of the dons. This is great.
0: This premise is great. It also ends on a pretty good cliffhanger of a guy. You don't see his face showing up to look for his kid. I assume it's the main character's dad because he's mentioned a couple times. In yes, the-
1: he's also, he's in the that stance that he's in is constantly, he's got the briefcase or the bag over his shoulder and just the look of the bottom half of his head is clearly the main character's dad. So that, and it's him showing up to the beach where his kid is going like, now where's that kid of mine? So yeah, I really like this chapter. It makes me want to read last
0: watch Food Wars. Yeah, Food Wars is great. They should have opened with this one. Really, they should have opened with almost anything besides Black Clover.
1: But it's because they rotate yeah. through the opening. I
0: understand. Black Clover is the cover page for this one.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, they rotate through like, and it's not always like, "Hey, this is the best time for it." It's yeah. almost like they've just got a rotation of
0: all right. So arranged. this,
1: yeah, this week Black Clover is going to be the cover page. Next week, I think is Doctor Stone.
0: Yeah, I would like it if they editorialized it a bit more, but I understand you've got to promote everything a little bit. Yep. So that brings us to the other jumpstart title, which is Teenage Renaissance David. Again, something I only know because Kevin told me about it last week. Yeah. It is a very
1: weird premise, and Kevin is just shaking his head at it. It's, I do not like this one at all. You want to go for the premise then? You want to tell the people what this one's about? So the premise for Teenage Renaissance David is that, imagine this kid David is a high school student. It seems like he's pretty young in his high school career. He's not a senior, but maybe not quite a freshman. But he is the statue David, like Michelangelo's David, drawn to look like Michelangelo's David. Also, he attends Lore of High School. This isn't actually the first premise that's similar to this. There's an anime that was done where the four main characters were busts, like literal marble busts that they almost it looked like photoshop I mean, not photoshopped in, but so everything else was drawn. And then they had like realistic pictures of these busts being the main characters. And so it's, I guess, this weird trend in Japan to have this classic statuary character thing going on. I find it very weird. So he has a crush on a character
0: named Venus, which is obviously a reference to Venus de Milo. She doesn't really look like that at all. She just looks like a generic anime babe.
1: Yeah. She's the most popular girl in school, of course. Well, yeah, he's got to have a crush on the most popular girl in school. It'd be weird if he didn't. So the premise of this chapter
0: is that he overhears her saying that she wants to get into etching and learn what that is about, but he hears her saying Ichi and is just having perverted fantasies when she invites him it's to learn So It's So Okay, I don't know how to pronounce it. but Yeah,
1: it's pronounced Etchie, which is how... That's, you say Etchie? Yeah. Yeah, so "etchy" versus Etching, and he's also Italian because he's David, so that's the very subtle change of like, I could understand because he's a teenage boy, his mind tends to go there. He heard etching and thought he heard etchy, which does sound very similar. And they do actually explain that joke in like an author's note. Yeah. Because most Americans wouldn't get it. Even some people who read manga wouldn't Wouldn't, necessarily get it. This
0: entire chapter is just him basically fantasizing about what she wants to do.
1: And getting confused when she's like, oh yeah, I do it with other girls. He's like, really? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do it in the school. Really?
0: Also, the art on it is pretty good. I think there's a pretty good joke where he has like a devil and an angel debating whether or not he wants to go through with it. And the devil just stabs the angel right through with the pitchfork. That actually really got me.
1: No, no, no. It's not that the devil stabs. So the angel convinces the devil that the angel is right. Then David stabs both of them with the pitchfork and is like, nope, (laughs) I want boobs.
0: But the joke at the end is she said etching to begin with. So he gets a blue ball. Yeah. I didn't mind this. I thought the jokes were pretty funny and the art was pretty good, but I feel like the premise has no legs.
1: Yeah, like for a couple of chapters, this was funny. A lot of the jokes and panels are references to famous paintings. He gets into the famous thinker pose. And so it's like, look, it's this guy's the thinker. And that's like an author's note. So there's a lot of art puns, which I can understand, but I feel like would get very tiring very quickly.
0: Yeah. So then one more story in this week's shonen jump hunter hunter has been on hiatus forever but i guess it came back last week just in time for jeremy to get spoiled by entering it in the middle because i'm a huge fan of yu yu haka show yep. and hunter hunter is one of those shows i'm gonna get around to any day now guys i swear
1: the anime is great so that would be yeah i mean you can catch up on the manga but the anime is great as long as you're watching the 2011 version. yeah yeah that's the one i plan on watching whenever i get to it this is a horrible arc to jump into.
0: <laughs> it seems that way. And this is like near the beginning, so it was a lot of exposition. The, no, big... this is
1: like definitely at least like a third of the way through this arc. It's been this like mystery super thriller nightmare. It's actually very cool with the people have these special Nen abilities, so it's like this espionage warfare of you're trying to figure out your opponent's abilities while covering up your own abilities and using them most effectively. So it's this really cool intrigue game going on, and it would suck to jump into the middle of the intrigue game when you know absolutely nothing. That said, this wasn't the worst chapter to jump into. I think. No. It explains this one character's ability in
0: detail, which reminded me a lot of Yu Yu Hakusho, specifically the Sensui arc, where there are lots of characters with weird abilities, and it takes a minute to break them down. Yep. And I really actually enjoyed that, even though I didn't really know what was going on. That said... I do wish that Hunter Hunter wasn't coming back for another couple months so I could prepare for this.
1: Yeah. Hunter Hunter has been in a weird thing of, so he went on hiatus a couple of years ago after the arc, just before this. And then part of the way through this arc, he went on hiatus again. He's been having a lot of health issues apparently, but now he's back. So it's always kind of this, I'm glad he's back, but this arc for me, because, uh, gone freaks, the main character of Hunter Hunter isn't here yet and i don't know if he's going to be here in this arc it's kind of weird and this isn't the first time that they've focused on the character that they're focusing on now is karapika he's a blonde dude in this chapter yeah Um, i know what you you mean okay yeah they're focusing on him for the time and i do like his chapters but it's just it's very off-putting that we're not focused on gone and we're in this weird, it's not quite a side arc, but it's a bit of a side arc, and we've been having stuttering attempts to go through it because of the hiatuses.
0: All right, so that does it for this week's issue of Shonen Jump. Ten stories for 99 cents. It's a ton to read. It's almost 200 pages. Even though it's a bit uneven, I, for the most part, really liked the experience. So I'm excited to do it again next week where I have just a little bit more context. Yeah. All right, before we move on, though, we want to rank the stories. In Japan, part of Shonen Jump is that they give you a poll to fill out to rank your stories from best to worst. There's also a American version, though it only has you rank the top four. We're going to go ahead and do all of ours. Do we want to go from worst to best or best to worst, Kevin?
1: Let's go from worst to best so we can end with a good note.
0: Okay, and did you put My Hero Academia on your list? I did. Okay, that's fine. I did not because I didn't read it. Okay, that makes sense.
1: All right, so at the bottom I have I'm from Japan
0: because that's a story that just did absolutely nothing for me.
1: Yep, and for me it was Teenage Renaissance David. Even though there were some of the art puns were funny, Teenage Renaissance David just been bugging me. This being the last one is like, no, nope, I just I'm not a big fan. At number eight for me was Black Clover for all the reasons I talked about. I went through it again
0: right before we started recording, and it bumped my opinion up about it a little bit. But it was just kind of a mess of a chapter, I think.
1: Yep, and then number nine for me, since I'll have all ten, was uh, I'm from Japan because this was definitely the weakest jump start that I have read pair, which is kind of sad that for me, both of them didn't hit home. I'm from Japan, just didn't really grab me. Number seven for me was Teenage Renaissance David, because while I'm not really
0: excited to read any more of that, and I don't have to because this was the last chapter in Shonen Jump, at least the jokes that were in it worked pretty well for me. And I do like the art style to a degree, even though it's really weird to have this photorealistic statue of David running around.
1: Yeah. Next on my list. So this is the part where I have the most trouble because I liked pretty much everything else almost equally. So even though I have these ranked the way they are, know that in my mind, they're all very close. So I actually have We Never Learn as my number seven. Oh, interesting. We Never Learn is much higher for me, but I'm also at the point where everything
0: from here on, I did like.
1: Yeah. And I also have the benefit of knowing all the stories So I come in knowing all the characters, I got more of the emotional beats, I know what's going on, so that probably changed some things versus you just jumping in.
0: Yeah, We Never Learn seems like it's very episodic in nature. It,
1: It is very episodic in nature, so that one's really easy to just jump in and, oh, I get what's going on. Like, there's obviously a story arc going on, but it's very episodic. Number six for me was Dr. Stone,
0: basically because, like I said, I just don't think the art is quite there. I feel like whoever is drawing this, his next manga is going to be a classic because there are lots of cool ideas here, but he needs to master storytelling a little more with his art. And I'm not a professional comic critic by any means, but that was just the sense I got reading through it.
1: I get you. My next one is Hunter x Hunter. I still really like Hunter x Hunter. There's some really cool intrigue stuff going on, but because of the hiatuses and the lack of Gon, who is a character that I just absolutely adore, it kind of drops this down to lower on my favorites.
0: The next one for me is also Hunter x Hunter. Like I said, I like the power explanation thing, but again, being dropped into the middle of it was a little weird. And there was nothing here that super excited me.
1: Yeah, the power explanation in Hunter x Hunter has always been really cool because everybody's Nen abilities aren't just superpowers. They're almost designed by themselves. Like you almost come up with your own power. So there's a lot of thought put into them and it's really interesting. My next one was Dr. Stone. This is coming on the climax of a big arc. There's definitely some really cool shots in here. I definitely love the ending confrontation of science versus strength and how both the main character and the main antagonist are like, what's going to win in this primitive world is strength. Or in Senko's opinion, what's going to win is science. Because the main antagonist thinks, oh, because we're back in the Stone Age, it's all about who's the strongest. And Senko's like, science is the culmination of humanity through time. So we will grow better with time as opposed to just the strongest survive.
0: Yeah, and they literally, the chapter ends with them just iterating their point. Well, and- Yeah,
1: they literally say that.
0: And I love when anime and manga is unsubtle, but maybe just because this was my first chapter, I was like, you could have said that a little better. It yeah. seemed a little corny to me. But if I had had the build-up, it might have been a much stronger punch. For us, Dr. Stone was right about in the
1: same spot. Yeah.
0: So. Number four for me, really, the mutmus test, everything above this, I really, really enjoyed, was One Piece. I liked this chapter, but it is just kind of another chapter of One Piece, which I've been reading and enjoying for the longest time. It's very consistent. This one isn't anything special, but at
1: the same time, it promises a bunch of cool stuff coming up for me it was the promised neverland again i really like this thing and rating these has been really hard but i guess because this was kind of the downbeat just before the hope is starting to disappear for the kids it didn't make me not like the chapter but it made me not like it as much as some of the other ones i definitely like when the kids are showing off their super genius and solving problems and so since that wasn't happening in this chapter it's setting up the problem that they have to solve It was just putting it just a little bit lower on my list. Number three for me is The Promised Neverland. Yeah. So
0: basically everything he said, although I definitely liked it as a place to be dropped in.
1: Yep. I've got Food Wars uh, next for my number four. Really solid chapter. Saiba coming back. That's the main character's dad name. The council team had just... uh, Completed their challenge and we're like, yeah, it's time for summer vacation. Oh wait, no, I still have to do a bunch of work, so we can't just go, you know, have a beach arc again. Not two beach arcs in a row. We I mean, they survive. They didn't have two beach arcs in a row. Like they <laughs> were know. on the beach, but it was basically like we're just in swimsuits, but we're not doing a beach arc because they. I'm pretty sure they'd done that before. I don't know. I haven't read it. It's been a long time, so. Number two for me is We Never
0: Learn, because it was just a surprise for me. I didn't know anything about it, and I ended up really enjoying it, even though I think the ending was a little weak.
1: Yeah. Well, again, it's much more episodic in nature, so the endings tend to, because they really focus on, this is only what happened in the chapter. They don't have as big of an emotional impact as some of the other ones where they've been building up for a little while. My number four was Black Clover. This is a really cool part in the arc. There's a lot of cool magic going on there's some character progression there's some people seeing that characters have become better characters like the brother that gets saved is like i can't believe i got saved by my younger sister you know she used to be such a failure it was just a really cool beat for me all right Uh, number one
0: for me was food wars for basically all the reasons you talked about with food wars i just the art is incredible
1: and it really makes me want to get into food wars yep All right, so my number two was One Piece. I really liked this chapter, especially the big reveal at the end. That is what really pushed it over the edge of I really liked this chapter just because of that big reveal. And then my number one is My Hero Academia because that is probably my favorite manga that I'm reading out of Weekly Shonen Jump. This had some setup in it, but there was definitely some really cool stuff going on with the characters. And that's all I'll say on that. Okay. So we're going to take a little
0: break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Akira Toriyama's Dragon Ball Volume 1. And we're back to talk about Dragon Ball Volume 1. Let's just start with our history with Dragon Ball because everyone has a history with Dragon Ball, right? I mean, yeah. not everyone. There are young kids now. But Dragon Ball, to me, is the reason we have a manga and anime industry in America. That might be an exaggeration. There was obviously Pokemon and Sailor Moon and Power Rangers before Dragon Ball that could have made all of that happen. But yeah, to me, when I think about anime, it's really something like Dragon Ball I'm thinking about. And when I say the term Shonen... What I really mean is stuff that feels like Dragon Ball to me.
1: I feel it's more like Dragon Ball Z or what? Well,
0: yes. Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z are the same thing. Dragon Ball Z is just an arbitrary point where they split the anime in half.
1: I feel like the storytelling is a little different in Dragon Ball Z. So you have the set up a big villain. Goku does his training to defeat said villain and then defeat said villain. And a new one shows up and he goes through another training arc. But that's happening by the third arc of Dragon Ball. By the time Dragon Ball stops being episodic,
0: that's already kind of going on.
1: Like by the time
0: the Red Ribbon Army shows up, that's what the formula is.
1: Yeah. But just for this first volume, that's not the formula we're in versus no. when, when they split it into Dragon Ball Z. That was immediately the formula. Like yeah. literally, it's Raditz shows up and is like, Vegeta's coming.
0: Yeah. Well, it definitely had already been established and was already working. Yeah. But I feel like most long going manga takes a while to find out what it is. Yeah. And I feel like it's just like when you drop into Dragon Ball Z, it's already figured out. And Dragon Ball Z picks a perfect jumping on point. Yes. Like, I cannot think of a better one. Naruto Shippuden in the second half, is not nearly as good as a jumping on point as Dragon Ball Z is. Or like right after the One Piece time skip, not nearly as good of a jumping on part as Dragon Ball Z is.
1: Yeah, I feel that because they renamed it Dragon Ball Z, other people have been copying that. So they picked a good jumping on point. In order to rebrand the series versus like Naruto Shippuden or if you're jumping on after the One Piece time skip, we're literally after time skips where they were like, oh, we can rebrand it just like Dragon Ball Z did versus Dragon Ball Z actually decided this is a good point where you don't necessarily need to know everything about the original Dragon Ball and we can just start you right here and just jump right into the story. Okay, so next, did you like this volume of Dragon Ball? Yeah, I actually did like this volume of Dragon Ball, even though it gets very weird. I didn't. If I didn't know what was coming up in the next volume, and by that
0: I mean Monster Carrot, not Vegeta and Raditz and all the great stuff that we're going to get. But even what's on the immediate horizon, I would be dreading having to read Volume 2 of Dragon Ball, to be entirely honest. There is some good stuff in here. Akira Toriyama knows how to draw a fight scene, and there are a couple of panels in particular we're going to highlight. Yeah. But... For the most part, even though I went through and counted how many jokes I thought were good and how many were bad, more were good than bad, but I still feel like I was cringing a lot more than I was laughing.
1: For me, it's the Journey to the West thing that he's going on, so that's what would draw me into reading on to Volume 2. It's like, oh, he's going for a Journey for the West thing. I kind of want to see where he takes this, even knowing where it ends up. So are you more familiar with Journey than the West to me? Because I feel like I'm primarily familiar with it
0: as the source material for Dragon Ball. And for some other popular culture stuff. Obviously, Wukong League of Legends, the new Adventures of Monkey show on Netflix. I know that it's a very formative
1: fantasy work that gets adapted a lot of places. Yeah, I've seen a lot of adaptations. I have never read A Journey to the West, but I know the story enough and I'm interested in it. And because I've seen so many different adaptations, I've found that I like the structure of the story. So I understand why they keep making these adaptations of Journey to the West. It's a really big... Very easy thing to do, you know, oh, we're going to do not the exact same tale, but it's another iteration of Journey to the West. It's just a really cool, basic story. It's also very episodic
0: by its nature,
1: so it's easy to make a big episodic
0: adaptation of it. I just feel like I'm not excited to see an adaptation of it specifically because I don't know the source material enough to be excited to see what he twists.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I haven't ever read Journey to the West. It's just because I've seen a couple of different adaptations of Journey to the West. At this point, I'm kind of like, I'm going to see what's different about this version. So my opinion was kind of the
0: more popular one when Dragon Ball was contemporary back in the 80s. It's Akira Toriyama's sophomore work after he did the gag comic Dr. Slump for years and years, and it kind of only got as long as it did because of the success of Dr. Slump. It was pretty unpopular until the World Martial Arts Tournament stuff started getting thrown in and it became
1: more and more about fighting. And I could also see that because my opinion is coming from nowadays, so even... Taking out of the fact that Dragon Ball evolved as it did, a lot of those adaptations that I had seen of Journey to the West hadn't happened yet. So unless I was really big into Journey to the West, which I feel like the target audience for Dragon Ball would not have been, that that's not a piece of literature kids would be reading, or at least kids would appreciate, I feel like, I can understand why Dragon Ball didn't test as well in the beginning. So the main character of Dragon Ball is obviously Goku, who's got the
0: same name as Wukong in Japan. Yes. It's just the same name. He meets a girl named Bulma,
1: who is a joke on the word bloomers. Which is very relevant, honestly.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, kind of. She is looking for the seven Dragon Balls, and Goku has one because it was the last possession of his deceased grandfather. Goku's kind of a Tarzan figure. He was raised in the woods and is super strong. One of the early panels we see is him just shattering a log, and it looks really, really good.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, literally the first panel is him rolling on the log, holding a saw twice as long as he is, uh, waving to some monkeys. That was honestly one of the jokes that I like. It's like the opening speech ball of a love in a world separated by ancient forests, or I don't remember the exact wording, but it's it, like...
0: It is long ago in a deep forest far away from civilization, you know, the sort of place a story like this has to begin.
1: Yeah. Which is
0: nice and tongue in cheek. Yes. Sets a good tone for Dragon Ball right from the start, because it kind of is more of a gag manga than anything else. Yeah. Continuing on from what Dr. Slump was. It just has a real adventure feel to it. Yep. So one of the first things Bulma does is she straight pulls out a gun and shoots Goku
1: with it, and yeah. he is fine. Yeah, which is something that I was like, I forgot she was that violent. I kind of appreciate that about Bulma, to be honest.
0: She's got a real like go-getter attitude and, like you said, an extreme level of violence. I'm more surprised by Goku just shrugs that off. Like,
1: yeah, Well, even she's surprised. She hits him in between the eyes. This is after she gets her car flipped, right? Yeah. So she has been in a car accident, crawls out of the car, pulls out a gun, and shoots a kid in between the eyes, which is an incredible shot, let's be honest. And then is even more surprised when he seems to be just a little annoyed like you threw a small rock at him. Like
0: his namesake, Goku is super strong from the start. Basically, nothing that he meets
1: throughout this first chapter really challenges him. What I should say is this first volume. Yeah. Like, he, literally nothing makes him even break a sweat. Except Yamcha in the end. But that's, he has an
0: excuse that he's hungry. So
1: yeah. to what degree that plays into it is
0: sort of hard to tell. So Bulma, who is kind of similar to the monk whose name I don't want to butcher from Journey into the West and that she's the one making the actual journey, yep. convinces Goku to come along with her to find the Dragon Balls, basically to be her bodyguard because there's all sorts of dangers in this world.
1: Yeah, at first she just wanted to take his Dragon Ball, but he didn't want to give it up. So she was like, if you come along and bring it with you, then we can summon the dragon and you'll get it back. Which she secretly notes will not happen because when you wish upon Shenron, the balls scatter to the earth. So a thing about Bulma's character that's well established in Dragon Ball that isn't actually
0: a thing yet here is the fact that she's a genius. We do get she she invented the Dragon Ball locator, but other than that, there's no sign of her being smart or technical. Yeah, she seems more like a spoiled
1: rich girl than
0: a super genius. Who's prone to violence and
1: self-aggrandizing, I guess? Yeah. That's not exactly the phrase I wanted. And she gets easily distracted by sexy men, apparently. (laughs) Yes.
0: Here's the thing about Dragon Ball. Every character is a pervert, except for Goku, who's super innocent and doesn't understand how sex works. So the joke is that he's doing perverted things and doesn't understand them. Yep. His patented pat-pat. Yeah, there's a bit where he just, the only way he can tell the difference between guys and girls is to pat them in the crotch. I mean, it's always played for laughs, but it's always just something I cringe at. It's very cringy. Similarly, cringy is after the first chapter, which ends with Bulma being kidnapped by a pterodactyl and peeing her pants when Goku saves
1: him. Well, because he saves her. She's falling from, because the pterodactyl was flying, he knocks the pterodactyl out in midair. And then she's falling, so he throws his staff to jam her into, like, the side of a cliff. So she's totally fine, but she pees her pants because she was falling to her death because she didn't have a parachute or anything like that. And there was this weird monkey boy who was like, don't worry, I got you. Yeah, it's played for laughs, and it's not particularly funny. No. Now, that might just be... I mean, this could also be one of the reasons why it didn't play well is that it's just a weird cultural thing of Japan is definitely different in that aspect as opposed to America of what is taboo or what is a funny taboo as opposed to just a gross taboo. Yeah, and we definitely just straight up see Goku's
0: dick in the first chapter because he's naked. And later we'll see some naked Bulma, which I think is at least supposed to be titillating. Yeah. And that's definitely not something that would fly like an American- Media,
1: although neither of those is problematic in my opinion. Also, to be weird, Goku, who is drawn like a five-year-old kid, is actually fourteen and, Bulma and Bulma is 60. sixteen. So yeah, they kind
0: of it feels like Toriyama is trying to subvert. Clearly, there should be some romance between these characters, and there
1: isn't. But it does make a lot of the situations even weirder. Yes, especially because while Goku might be fourteen, he has the maturity level of a five-year-old.
0: Yeah, and so the second, third, and fourth chapter all sort of revolve around goku taking bulma's panties off while she's sleeping because he thinks her penis might have been chopped off yeah and bulma somehow not noticing the next day and going out without any underwear yep goku saves a turtle uh there's a decent fight with a demon but a lot of akira toriyama's demons and dinosaurs end up looking kind of the same
1: yeah this guy was like a weird
0: bear monster thing i feel yeah and he, he did
1: have a sword But it's not until Goku is fighting other humanoid creatures that I think the fight scenes really get exciting. Well, I mean, also in the same point, he literally beats all of these early monsters just literally instantaneously. Like he does a bit where he's standing on the bear's sword as he swings it and then like kicks him in the face. So it's the fight scenes aren't very interesting because it's meant to make Goku look amazing. They
0: leave the turtle to sea, and he goes and gets uh, Master Roshi, who might be a character you're familiar with,
1: if you're otherwise familiar with Dragon Ball. And he does introduce himself as Kami Senin, Yeah, which say? is Turtle Sage, basically. Yeah.
0: He offers to give Goku some feathers from the immortal phoenix, but the immortal phoenix has died, which is kind of a funny joke, except for yep. Bulma straight up explains it in the background. Yep. And also, one of the things Sun Wukong had was a ha- of phoenix feathers, so yep. it's a reference to that. So instead he gives him the uh the Kintun, which is the flying nimbus, if you're familiar with it from like the English dub. Yep. Which is similar to Wukong had boots that let him walk
1: on clouds. Yep. So now Goku can fly around. Yep, and the cloud only lets the pure of heart ride it. So Master Roshi cannot ride it, nor can Bulma. Yep, which pisses both of them off. But Master Roshi also has a dragon ball, which he agrees to give
0: the Bulma if she will show him her panties, which she does eagerly, because she does not realize she
1: is not wearing any. Well, honestly, I think it's not that Roshi asks her to do it; it's that she offers to do it to get it. Oh, you are right. She is. More, she does have more agency in this. Yeah, because Bulma flashed Goku early on in the thing, and yeah. Goku, being the innocent kid that he was, is like, "Why would I want to see your dirty butt?" Oh, uh, but anyway, she does that and is not wearing any panties. Uh weirdly, Master Roshi
0: comes off as one of the least perverse characters in this right now yes it's very strange so she gets a dragon ball then discovers she wasn't
1: wearing any panties and shoots goku with a machine gun yep funny haha Haha, attempted m- homicide i guess at this point she knows he's immune to bullets but still
0: yeah it's uh i mean it's a cool panel for her with with the machine gun but it's a real problematic joke to build three chapters of your story around yeah so after that exciting mini story arc we move on to oolong who is a character, again, you might recognize from Dragon Ball Z. Although, weirdly, he is one of the characters that gets phased out the most quickly, especially since he's based off one of the main characters of Journey to the West. Yeah. Who is this perverse pig-looking dude. And hey, Oolong is a perverse, literal pig. Yep. But he has the power to transform for five minutes at a
1: time and is terrorizing a village with it. Yep. Yeah. He can transform for five minutes and then has to rest for a full minute.
0: So Goku and Bulma agree to get rid of him in exchange for the Dragon Ball of an old lady in the village.
1: Yep. At first, they assume he's just some big giant demon, and Bulma's like, ah, Goku already beat a big giant demon, so he can beat another one. Yeah. And Goku's like, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Goku's like, yeah, sure, I'll fight somebody. I don't care. Goku pretends to be this little girl who Oolong wants to kidnap. Bulma forces Goku to pretend to be the little girl because he doesn't want to do it. He's like, why can't I just show up and kick him in the face? I think that's literally what he says. Like, why can't I just show up and punch him or something like that? But Oolong has already kidnapped some other girls and they need to get back to his hideout to rescue them. Yeah, but Goku doesn't understand that. So he's like, why can't I just beat the bad guy?
0: But Bulma screws up the plan because Oolong turns into a super suave dude and she's into him. And then that gives him time to realize Goku is a dude. Yep. Because Goku went off to take a
1: piss. Yeah, because Goku had to pee. So he went to take a piss against a tree in the middle of the square right next to Oolong. Again, very funny.
0: Yes. (laughs) Cannot stress enough how funny it is. So Goku beats up Oolong
1: because Oolong is a wimp. Yeah. Oolong actually, the first thing he does is uh, runs away and then transforms into his pig form and convinces Goku that uh, the demon ran away. It's very Looney Tunes. Yes. And then comes back as a giant mecha robot. Which is a very cool design. Yes. But he's like, how
0: strong are you? And Goku's like, pretty strong. So he turns into a bat and tries to get away. But Goku chases him on the Nimbus.
1: Yep. And then he turns into a rocket. And
0: Goku still is able to keep up. So, anyway, he makes Oolong take him back to his lair where all the girls were taking
1: advantage of him because he has no spine. Yep. Which actually is kind of a funny ending to the whole thing. Yeah, it was. He was like, Why do you think I wanted to kidnap a shy girl? I can't stand these women. So for some reason, Bulma and Goku make Ulan come along with them on their journey after this. Bulma wants to bring him along for his transforming ability. She's like, that will probably be useful.
0: It's like, yeah, you seem like you have a giant player character stamped on top of your head. You should join us.
1: No, I think it's more that she recognizes that he's a total pushover.
0: and That could be. She did see that firsthand.
1: Yeah, so she's like, I can totally order this guy around and you have a useful ability. I'll bring you along.
0: That does actually make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, that was the feeling I got of... Because Goku is kind of like, why did we bring him again? And Bulma's like, oh, because his transformation ability will be useful. But it's really, well, I know I can push him around, so I'll just have another servant.
0: So uh Oolong tries to jump overboard while they are crossing a river in a boat. And Bulma stops him by using her panties as bait and fishing him out. Yep. So again, funny joke. But at least that's not a consent problem because Bulma's doing it of her own will. Yeah. But it does kind of give you an idea of what the character is, which isn't great. Like, none of the characters are great, right? Yeah. Goku's this almost blank say who just beats stuff up. Yep. Bulma's kind of got a ambition to her, which is nice, but otherwise is just this kind of violent, somewhat perverse girl who's obsessed with herself.
1: Yeah, and is definitely very manipulative, so... Yeah. Well, that's kind of the one thing I like about her. To yeah, be but I mean, I'm just saying that's her that's her thing uh and she realizes that she is sexy, so she uses that to her advantage. So there's actually there's never too much consent problems with the weird like there was the fact that she didn't realize that she wasn't wearing panties, which is weird, but it was like you were still flashing the dude, you were just flashing him your underwear. It just none of it lands and so it all ends up coming up as awkward and weird. Yes.
0: So then, Oolong, after trying to escape, Bulma gives him a weird candy that
1: is tainted, so that if she whistles, he'll get diarrhea. So she can control him with this. Yeah, it's another hint at her being a super genius. She's like, "Yeah, I have candy that gives you diarrhea on command," which is crazy. Yes. Well, I mean, so are the the Hoi Poi capsules, which are the they're from the Dragon Ball universe, which don't really get. Mentioned, they're much more important in Dragon Ball than they are in Dragon Ball Z.
0: Yeah, because Dragon Ball Z is all about fighting and having yes. a house on command is uh, not that important, but it is a big fantasy element of Dragon Ball, I suppose, so we should mention them. They're basically just little capsules that have a car or a house or whatever in them, so it's what gives Bulma a lot of her power, so to speak, within yeah. the story to manipulate things.
1: Yeah, so she's got a thing the size of, like...
0: It's like a toolbox, like but like a ratchet set.
1: Yeah, so she's got a box the size of, like, a ratchet set that has... I don't know, like 20 of these capsules that have she's got a car, a motorbike, a boat, a house, and they all fit in little pills, essentially, and apparently can go right back into them because like they use them and then put them away and then use them again. But it's a good time to bring them up because somehow Bulma drops them all in the river. So when they cross it, they don't have any anymore. Yep. And she starts, like the spoiled rich kid that she is, starts freaking out that she's like, I need a bed. I need a shower. And Goku's like, I've been living in the woods forever. I don't care. But they're spotted by Yamcha and Poir. And Yamcha's kind of the first recurring villain in Dragon
0: Ball in a yeah. weird way. He's also kind of almost a protagonist, almost from the start. He's very sympathetic.
1: Yeah, he's kind of that anti-hero... He's got
0: a Robin Hood vibe almost on purpose, although yes. not to give back to the poor thing.
1: Yeah, he's the heroic thief. He's more like a thief with morals. Yeah, he's than... like a Han Solo archetype. Yeah. Uh, so he and his buddy
0: Poar are spying, and Poir recognizes Oolong from Shapeshifting school, which is a very good gag, I feel. Yeah. Poir is... Yamcha's a little cat sidekick who like Oolong can transform and they decide to go rob them which leads to the first fight scene that actually has some tension in it and it leads to some character reveals Goku says that his grandpa was Gohan
1: and Yamcha and Oolong are both like oh he's a master of martial arts even I've heard of that guy. Yep Oolong specifically goes like I don't pay attention to martial arts and even I've heard of that guy so it's kind of this I never knew he had a grandson kind of thing. And Yamcha's the one character design I don't like. I talked
0: about the characters not having a lot of good personality traits, but the designs are very strong. Bul- yep. Bulma's always wearing a piece of clothing that says Bulma on it, which I find really enjoyable. Yep. And
1: Goku's got that nice spiky hair that gives him a very distinct silhouette. We've also never mentioned, Goku has a monkey tail. Yes. Like a literal monkey tail. And at first, Bulma thinks it's fake. Then she thinks, wow, I can't believe he glued a fake tail to his butt. He then proceeds to wash his back using his tail holding a brush and she's like wait the tail was real and so he's like yeah that must be something uh boys have that girls don't oh wait no grandpa didn't have a tail so it's very confusing who goku is because he's a kid with a tail Yamcha, also speaking to his noble thief thing, has a very great line where he says, well, it's not my place to judge
0: others, only steal their valuables. Yamcha is able to defeat Goku with his fist of the wolf fang, which is kind of the first special move we see in Dragon Ball. Goku has a rock, paper, scissors attack where he punches a dude, pokes them in the eyes and then palms them. He uses that specifically against Yamcha. He does later, but he's already used it on a demon before well, he, this.
1: Yeah, he did rock, paper, scissors, but just, I think just said rock or whatever. Essentially did the, the Jonkenbo rock and then punched him in the face. With Yamcha, he actually does the rock, paper, scissors, where he does all three moves to Yamcha. But that's not until later, because yeah. in this fight, Goku is hungry and losing, and Yamcha is able to beat him. There's one
0: bad bit of art is like Yamcha punches him so hard he goes through a tree, and it just looks like it's a
1: pillar, like they've suddenly been teleported to a temple, and it's crashing around Goku. I thought because they were in the desert, it was like a sandstone spire or something maybe, like that. But like Bulma's sleeping under a tree and she wakes up from it. So I guess, I mean, maybe it was a tree, but it was more that Goku was totally fine after getting tossed through this rock pillar. He was just hungry. So he didn't want to fight anymore. But it is a moment where he loses, quote unquote. But Bulma saves him by
0: waking up and she's like, oh man, that guy's so hot. And he has to run away because he can't talk to girls. Yep. And buddy, same. Yeah. So that makes him just infinitely more relatable than any of the demons we've had so far. And he's like, ah, oh, I've got to get them
1: now. So he chases after them when Oolong reveals that he's had a house car the whole time that yep. they've been camping in the woods, which Bulma is super annoyed about. So Yamcha tracks them to the house car and is listening into the conversation that Goku and Oolong are having about the Dragon Balls and realizes oh, if I get all the Dragon Balls from them, I can make a wish and finally not be afraid to talk to girls. And that is also a bit that makes him, like,
0: I think very relatable because Par's like, or you could wish for, like, to be king or for all the money you could ever need. He's like, I can just steal money if I need money. But being afraid of girls is ridiculous.
1: Well, yeah. and Well, he's like, (laughs) I could steal all the money I want and I don't give a crap about the world, but I want to get over this personal failing of mine of not being able (laughs) to talk to girls.
0: Yeah. It just makes Yamcha like the most complex character in the it does. story
1: so far, which is I, weird. I really like the Dragon Ball wishes. Like, Bulma just wants a boyfriend. She yeah. was like, My first wish was for unlimited strawberries. But then I oh. thought, No, I just want a really hot boyfriend. Yamcha wants to be able to talk to girls. There are all these people that are like, What's this wish you want to make on the Dragon Balls? And it's like something very simple that, like, I could honestly sh- see Shenron being like, What? Uh, are, are you serious? That That's your wish? Especially since according to Bulma, the last guy wished to be king. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the last guy wished to be king. It was like, yeah, that seems like something that would be a much better use of that wish. So Yamcha listens to them and is like, oh, I'm going to try and break in and steal the Dragon Balls. So he comes up with a plan for Poir to transform into Goku to lure Bulma away so that Yamcha can go in and steal the Dragon Balls from Goku and Oolong. Only this was at the same time that Oolong had roofied Goku and Bulma so that he could do some stuff with Bulma, Yay. including maybe taking off her towel. Yeah, this was definitely one of the, wow, that's like, dark.
0: The joke, I think, is supposed to be that like, even though he has this chance to do anything to her, he just wants to see her naked. But even then, yeah, even just, then. oh, it's not good. So anyway, Prar, shape-shifted into Goku, walks in, and Oolong's like, oh crap, how did he get up so fast? And he turns into Bulma. Only a very fat version of Bulma. Ha ha.
1: Goku is also very fat.
0: It's also got super beady eyes, but no one ever comments on it. Like Yamcha's like, huh, I thought she was way thinner than that. Yeah. When he sees Bulma walk out. No one comments on Poirot's beady eyes. So I really wondered if that was like supposed to be taken as red, or if that was for the benefit of the
1: audience to be able to see oh this isn't the real goku they've never shown that oolong's ability can transform into specific people yeah very well so that might just be a weird shapeshifter thing or if like you said that was just that this is how we know that this isn't actually goku this is poor goku either way what ends up happening is yamcha sneaks onto the thing thinking that Bulma has been pulled away sees goku asleep is like man that guy's cocky Walks up the stairs and is like, haha, they've hidden the Dragon Balls under these sheets. And he pulls off the sheets to see a naked sleeping Bulma where he apparently has a mental breakdown. Doesn't scream, I guess, because otherwise he would have woken her up and is traumatized and leaves the house car with Parar consoling him and him mumbling the mounds, the mounds.
0: So then in the next chapter, Yamcha gets a rocket launcher and is like, OK, time to screw them up.
1: Yeah. He doesn't just get a rocket launcher. He's like, Poir, get the Panzerfaust, the heavy machine gun, and something else. It's like, wow, you, you scaled up the attack immensely. You started off, I have a sword, and now I've got a Panzerfaust. Okay. So he shoots their house car with their rocket launcher. Amongst Bulma, like, having
0: heart eyes and be like, if you see the hot guy, bring him to me. Yep. <laughs> Which is a very good joke that actually does work out. Which leads to Goku having to fight Yamcha again, and this fight is definitely the best part of this entire volume of Dragon Ball. Yes. Uh, It's where Goku does his rock-scissors-paper attack to Yamcha. The rock-like Yamcha meets it with his fist, which is a cool paper, but then the scissors he eye-pokes Yamcha, and the like drawn reaction on Yamcha is incredible. Yep. But then for the paper, he bounces him up into the top of the panel which you can see has
1: broken and Yamcha
0: bounces back down into the
1: yeah. frame and it's so good. Yeah, so the motion lines for Yamcha go up into the panel and back down cuz they just the panel shows him on the ground and the the literal border to the panel has broken and it was just definitely one of the coolest visual things of this volume of Goku literally hit him so hard, he broke the panel. So this makes Yamcha
0: retreat, and he comes back with a car for them because he has decided that he's just going to follow them, let them get all the Dragon Balls, and then
1: just steal them at the end. Listen, that's a really good plan. There's no point in stealing the Dragon Balls now when I can just let you do all the hard work and swoop in at the end and steal all the credit.
0: And it shows Yamcha's kind of able to think through things. It also is a bit funny because it's a retreat move, but it is a good plan.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, that was... uh... Dragon Ball. Oh, there's one more chapter, though. There is one more chapter. You're right. A weird thing reading manga compared
0: to American comics is American comics, when they're collected, are all collected in single stories. But manga is just like, let's put 11 chapters together. Yeah. Or
1: six or 10 or whatever.
0: So like that would have been a better ending point because this next one is the start of the next story. But
1: we just get a little bit of that. At the same time, because it's literally the start, I kind of understand. It's like a lot of books that I read will tease the first chapter of the next book. Hey, here's a little bit of something else to make sure that you pick up that second book, the next volume. But this
0: volume is kind of five different stories. The first chapter is pretty much its own self-contained story. Yep. Then there's the problematic panty story. Then there's Oolong and then Yamcha. And now we're starting this next story. Yep. So part of it is just the pace. It seems to be there about three arc story or... Three chapter arcs. Yeah, for the most part, Oolong's only two. But they come to a giant mountain that's on fire and there's a dragon ball in it. And Oolong exposits that the Ox King lives here and that's his castle, but a fire demon came down and now the mountain is on fire and no one can get in. And the Ox King runs around here killing people who try to steal his treasure.
1: Yeah, so the Ox King has all of his treasure in his castle and he was away on a picnic with his daughter when a demon lit the mountain on fire. So not even the Ox King can make it to the castle, apparently, because the whole mountain is on fire. Yamcha thinks that they might have a way to get in, though, because the Ox King knew Gohan. Yep.
0: But Goku doesn't know that, and he takes the flying Nimbus and can't find a way in. Meanwhile, the Ox King finds Bulma, and Yulang's like, hey, you didn't come to steal my stuff, did you? They're like, hey, no way. And Goku comes like, oh, man, it's going to be real hard to steal all his stuff, guys. Yep. Meanwhile, we see Chi-Chi, the Ox King's daughter,
1: decapitated T-Rex. It's very violent. Decapitated T-Rex with her head fin. <laughs> boomerang. Thing. And then shoot him with a laser, also from her headgear. So Yamcha sees this happen, and then she turns around and sees Yamcha and does the same move that she was doing to fire her head laser. So he honestly freaks out, because if I had seen somebody shoot a laser out of their head, I would probably not want to be on the receiving end of that. And he knocks her right out. as, yep. far as like, what about your fear of girls? And he's like, I am not into 11-year-olds. Yep, he does not
0: have a uh, lolly complex, so. That's exactly what I wrote. So it's kind of a lame cliffhanger to end things on for the end of a volume, but it is at least like if you're reading it weekly, you might want to know, oh, how did they get rid of the Axe King? What's up with Yamcha?
1: Well, and I feel like that's what most of the collected volumes are. They're usually, so it's like just a little bit of a teaser to get you to buy the next collected volume, because obviously if you're reading this series weekly, you would just be waiting for the next chapter, not waiting for the entire next volume.
0: Yeah, but my point is that it's not like a contained story. It's just like, here's the 11 chapters we had.
1: Yep. And I feel like that's just typically what they do. They kind of just collect them. Volumes are this long. So it's, all right, here's the 11 chapters. Bam, next volume. Next 11 chapters. Bam, next volume.
0: It is, it's just weird for me, because like I said, I come from American comics, and it's yeah. always
1: it's always either one story or
0: half of one story, with a big cliffhanger into the second act at the end of it. Yeah. So that's Dragon Ball, and like I said, I'm not super excited to read the second volume, except for I'm pretty sure Master Carrot
1: shows up in it. I don't remember. I've read bits and pieces of Dragon Ball, but I don't know that I've like read the entire thing. But yeah,
0: if we were ranking everything we've read, this would be pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Almost everything in weekly Shonen Jump was more fun to read than this.
1: Yes. Unfortunately. But it does lead to better things. Yeah.
0: Eventually Goku will punch Vegeta and it'll be brilliant.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this was also kind of the start of Shonen manga in general. So I mean
0: this brand, what I consider Shonen manga to be. Shonen Jump was already thirty years when Dragon
1: Ball Yeah. But I feel like most people would agree with you that the current Shonen what what I think of Shonen is the Dragon Ball Z. Or Dragon Ball method of shonen, not just its manga to the shonen audience or the shonen age group, I guess.
0: So anything else you want to say about Dragon Ball Volume 1?
1: I mean, I, there's no reason to go back to
0: it, is I guess what I'd say. If you've always been curious about early Dragon Ball, start a little bit later.
1: Yeah, Volume 1 probably, unless you really want to get the whole story from the very beginning, Volume 1 isn't necessarily the best starting point. All right. So if
0: you want to find more of our podcast, you can find the Zero episode and any future episodes at www.lastpodcast.com. That's also where you can find my other two podcasts. Last time on Video Games, where I talk about a different video game from the 90s or early 2000s every week with my buddies, Zach and Tyler. And sometimes me. Yeah. Kevin is on this week's episode. It's going to be on the Game Boy game Donkey Kong Land. Yep. That was a game. You can also find my other podcast, It's a Gundam, which is an episode-by-episode podcast about Gundam Seed, my favorite anime, with, again, Zach and Tyler, and very occasionally Kevin. Yep. I think I'm on two episodes. Only one so far. All right, one episode. We don't have an email yet, so if you want to contact us, the best way is going to be to leave a comment on our website on the page for this episode. Tell me if you want us to read My Hero Academia, because I'm willing to do it if people want to. I just feel like it's going to be spoiling more people than it's going to be bringing in.
1: Yeah. And also maybe do we want to pick it up and maybe not necessarily start from chapter one, but start like maybe this current season and go through that or maybe we'll talk about it. We okay. can we'll talk about it in the future. I don't have any plans for that yet, but we can definitely
0: talk about doing that. I might just catch up on my own and we can start talking about it. Yeah. But I don't have any plans yet. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emmert. Is there anything you want to plug, Kevin? Nope. I'm pretty good. So next week, we're going to be reading something that was very inspired by Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Something that's still going on to this day. Something we
1: actually read a chapter of this week, which is Oda Ashiro's One Piece. Is that how you say his name? I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name. I've never heard his name spoken, so yeah. I'm not sure.
0: I should start looking up like Google videos where these people's names are spoken before I say them. So
1: apologies if I missaid that. But uh, we're a bunch of Americans. where It's totally acceptable for us to butcher Japanese names. But I should still try not to. Hopefully, it's not as problematic as uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah.